0: We have a, already a question. Please come up and sit around here. And we will take a turn to sit on the chair. The practice according to the tradition. Before we ask the question, we breathe in and out three times with the sound of the bell and everyone is breathing with us and then we take the microphone and we ask the question and we know that a good question does not have to be very long a <laughs> question is not a statement so please uh, those of us who have a question already come and sit close to Thay. And we will take turn to... and if you have a written question, ask someone to bring it here to Brother Mountain, who is sitting on the left of Ta. and uh, from time to time you will read from one of these questions. This is the opportunity. Please come. Let us uh, listen to the bell and breathe before you ask the first question.
1: Correctly, uh, the question is how to bring this practice into your daily life? Yes, this should. The translation is correct. How to bring this practice into our daily life? Yes,
0: correct. You just do it. Suppose, uh, when you, uh, when you uh, open the water tap and you see the water flowing, you pay attention to the water and you tell yourself that it is wonderful that the water has come to you, to your kitchen, to your bathroom from high up on the mountain from deep in uh, the earth and uh, you feel grateful, you feel happy uh, because the water is there for you. So that is uh, to apply the teaching of mindfulness in our daily life. When you brush your teeth, you might like to focus your attention on brushing your teeth not thinking, because uh, you have uh, the water, the dental cream, uh, the brush, and you still have uh, teeth to brush. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh,
0: I'm over 80 and every time I brush my teeth I always say, it's wonderful at this age to, have, to still have some teeth to brush. And happiness, uh, happiness can come right away. And when you uh, cook your breakfast, do it mindfully. Pour in the water into the kettle, boil the water. Every moment can be a moment of joy. Uh, lay, uh, lay the table. Table. Uh, prepare your tea. Everything you do uh, can be. The practice of mindfulness and can bring you uh, joy, happiness. You are fully present in the here and the now. When you drive your car, you can drive it mindfully and enjoy every minute of driving. When you walk from the parking lot to your school, you do the same. So just do it. Uh, and you have uh, uh, verses. To memorize, in order to uh, brush your teeth, to sit down, uh, to open uh, your window, so every every uh, daily act can be accompanied by our breathing, our uh, uh, recitation of uh, the verse. It is very convenient because. Um, People who have come before us, they have prepared uh, uh, the practice for us. And working uh, in the railway station, working at the airport, you can always enjoy walking meditation. You do not have to set up uh, uh, separate time in order to do meditation. But uh, one thing can be said. If uh, you are home to yourself, to your hometown, and if you can, you can create a group of practitioners practicing together, uh, every uh, weekend you come together to enjoy walking together, sit, sitting together, have tea together, uh, have uh, a sharing of uh, the practice together, That would be wonderful because uh, that community practice will help you to uh, continue the practice for a long time. Otherwise, you will be uh, carried away and you abandon your practice after a few weeks.
2: Good luck.
1: Eco. No puedo ¿Sí sí. How can puedo entender.
2: ¿Mindfulness?
1: Help.
0: You will have to translate in English later. Yeah, t-
1: subconscious.
0: Yes. Mindfulness can uh, recognize um, the manifestation of a seed. In fact, uh, to be mindful is to uh, be aware of what is going on. From our, uh, from the depth of our consciousness, which is called a store consciousness, there are many seeds, good ones and uh, negative ones. And every time a good uh, seed comes up to the level of the mental, the mind, and you recognize it as uh, a good. Uh, a good mental formation like uh, joy, uh, brotherhood, sisterhood, uh, brother, uh, forgiveness, and so on. So uh, mindfulness recognizes uh, the good mental formation that has manifested, and um, mindfulness can keep it longer, can help keep it longer for your nourishment and healing. You continue to breathe or walk and maintain uh, the energy of love or happiness or joy or brotherhood alive as long as you want. Uh, and that is uh, what you do when a good seed like love, uh, forgiveness, and joy manifests. But when a negative seed in you begins to manifest, fear, anger, sorrow, hate, violence, then mindfulness helps you to recognize it. Hello. Good morning, my fear. I know you are there. I will take good care of hmm? you. So the first thing mindfulness does is to recognize what is there. Good morning, my anger. I know you are there. I will take good care of you. And you breathe in and out, mindfully, and continue to generate the energy of mindfulness, And with which you embrace your fear, your anger. And you are protected by the energy of mindfulness because your fear, your anger will not push you to do or say things that will cause damage to you and to others. So mindfulness protects you if you know how to use the energy of mindfulness to recognize and embrace your fear, your anger, tenderly, like a mother holding a the baby. Then mindfulness can do more. Mindfulness can... Help you look into that fear, that anger, and see what kind of uh, roots they have. It has come from somewhere, some wrong perception, something like that. And uh, with the practice of looking deeply into the fear, the anger, you can you can recognize the roots of your anger, of your fear, and you got an understanding of it, and your understanding of the roots of something will liberate you from from it. So mindfulness can do many things. And the practice of mindful breathing, mindful walking, can help uh, generate the energy of mindfulness with which you can nourish yourself and you can heal yourself. when we uh, when we look at the adult and uh, and see that that person is not happy mm-hmm. we cannot not believe that uh, what he uh, what he or she uh, tell us about uh, happiness, the path uh, leading to happiness. Because if uh, the path is correct, then that person is not like uh, the way she is or he is. So what that person recommend us to do uh, may not work. Sometimes uh, they recommend us to they recommend us to do something, but they don't do it. They don't do it. <laughs> so we have to uh, to be careful, and uh, we can uh, we can base. Uh, we can make a decision based on our own experiences. Whatever you do that brings you to happiness, you believe that that is the right thing to do. What uh, you say can bring you happiness and can bring the other person happiness, you can believe in, in that kind of uh, of things and you can continue to say things like that. It's um, much safer to base on our own experience of life. And then uh, I think uh, the first thing is uh, we should have a correct uh, idea about happiness because uh, everyone has an idea of happiness. And uh, our idea of happiness may be the obstacle for our our true happiness. So you have to uh, look and uh, look deeply, and have your own idea of happiness. Like um, people, many people believe that uh, power, fame. Uh, Diploma, uh, uh, money, uh, sensual pleasures uh, can make you happy. But when you observe, you can see that many people who have uh, plenty of these things uh, still suffer a lot. So you don't believe it. And when you you feel that when you have uh, understanding and love in you, Uh, You are happy. You look around, you see people who are not so rich, who are not powerful, but who have plenty of uh, understanding and compassion. You see them happy. So you tell yourself that, that's what I want. I want to be happy like him, like her. And in order to, to, to do that, I have to cultivate more understanding and compassion and love. Because uh, it's very difficult to live with a person who does, who cannot understand. You see? Very frustrating. So you don't want to be like him, like her. You want to be a person that has a lot of understanding. It's very pleasant to be with someone who can understand us. And to understand is a power. Not money, but to understand is a power. When you love someone, and if you understand him or her, you are a true lover. So, cultivating understanding is a practice. And if you do not have the time to look deeply, You cannot understand. You have to understand first of all the suffering in you and in the other person. So cultivating understanding is very important. And when you have understood, uh, love, compassion uh, is born. And love is another kind of power. Love has the power to heal. When you have true love in you, you can heal yourself and you can help heal the other person. So understanding and love are two powers. And with them you can create happiness, uh, uh, restore communication, reconcile. And uh, and uh, you are determined to go in that direction, not uh, running after fame, power, money, sensual pleasures, but uh, take your time to cultivate more understanding, and love, and compassion. Even if you, have, uh, if you live a, a very simple life, you can be very happy, very A very happy person, and uh, I think the young people have uh, have the power to do it. They don't have to follow uh, uh, any uh, any tradition. They can uh, find their own way, and uh, they can practice uh, true love, true understanding, brotherhood, sisterhood, in order to make themselves. happy and stop suffering and if they they can succeed, they can inspire many people uh, to do the same.
2: Yes.
1: A friend, practice mindfulness of suffering, it brings up negative uh, feelings or thoughts and emotions.
2: Myself. For yourself. Mm-hmm. So how to uh,
1: work with mindfulness of suffering? How to practice?
2: I clarify
1: the practice. And I can clarify, what does that mean working with mindfulness of
0: suffering? Mindfulness, uh, mindfulness of suffering is very important practice. Mindfulness, uh, first of all, is the kind of energy that uh, help you to know what is uh, going on. And when suffering is coming up, you should know that suffering is there. And that is uh, mindfulness of uh, suffering. Most of us do not want to do it because we feel that uh, When we get in touch with the suffering inside, we shall be overwhelmed by it. So everyone is trying to run away from their own suffering. And they they try to cover up the suffering inside. When you pick up a newspaper to read, when you turn on your television, Maybe it's not because you need to do that, but you do that in order not to have to get in touch with the suffering inside. So take uh, the phone and talk with someone, take the car and go out. We do many things, everything in order not to be in touch with the suffering inside. and the suffering inside remain the same and continue to grow because you don't do not know how to take care of suffering inside and transform it so mindfulness of suffering is first of all to have the courage to go home to yourself and recognize that suffering is there and then as i have said several times you can use the energy of mindfulness to embrace your suffering, your fear, your anger. And if you know how to do it, and then you suffer less. Like a mother holding her baby, the baby suffers less after a few minutes. And I have also said that if you are a beginner, you may borrow, might like to borrow the energy of mindfulness of someone else in order to help you to embrace your suffering. Three or four people sitting with you, breathing with you, and offer the energy of mindfulness to help you recognize and embrace the pain in yourself. That is brotherhood, sisterhood. and If you live in the heart of a practice community, you profit from the collective energy of mindfulness of uh, the community, and um, we have learned a very important thing: if you want, if you know how to suffer, you suffer much less. That is an art. To suffer is an art. Everyone has to suffer including the Buddha, including Jesus Christ. But those of us who know to suffer, we suffer much, much less. And we have to learn. If you have the energy of mindfulness, you can go back to yourself. And you are not afraid of being overwhelmed by the suffering inside. And with that energy of mindfulness, you can embrace your suffering, even smile to your suffering. as a mother holding her child. And if you know how to do that, three, five, eight minutes, you suffer less. The energy of mindfulness holding the energy of uh, anger, of fear, of despair. Two kinds of energies. They are not fighting each other, but uh, one holding the other. Very non-violent, very ten- tenderly. And that is uh, what everyone should learn. It is uh, possible to embrace our pain tenderly with compassion, and that uh, help you to get a relief after a few minutes of practice. So we should remember that uh, someone who knows how to suffer will suffer much less, and then he can go further. He can make good use of the suffering in order to create. Uh, understanding, compassion, and happiness. And Suffering has a role to play in creating happiness. It's like uh, when you grow lotus flowers, you need the mud. Without the mud, lotus flowers cannot grow. It's the same with happiness. Happiness is a kind of lotus. And it needs uh, some kind of mud in order to, to grow. And uh, the process is like this. There is suffering. And there is a mindfulness that can look deeply into the nature of suffering. We listen. We uh, look deeply. And uh, from that kind of practice, Called mindfulness of suffering is born understanding and compassion. Understanding of suffering, compassion coming out of that kind of understanding, and uh, understanding and compassion are the very foundation of happiness. And we know that understanding and compassion come from the mud, come from suffering. So there is a very deep connection between suffering and happiness, like the connection between the mud and the lotus. If you try always to run away from suffering, you have no chance. You have to 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 see the goodness of suffering. The goodness of suffering. La bienfaisance. The la souffrance. It's like uh, the mud. The mud is essential for the lotus. So happy so suffering is essential for the making of understanding and love, which is uh, which are the very foundation of happiness. And when you have seen that, you have right view. Right view is the first element of the noble path leading to happiness. You don't have uh, any discrimination anymore. You know that uh, there is a deep connection between suffering and happiness. And if you know how to uh, how to make good use of suffering, you can create a lot of understanding and compassion that can create happiness in you and in the other person. So there are two things we have to remember concerning suffering. If you know how to suffer, you suffer less. If you know how to make good use of suffering, you can create uh, happiness. And that is why mindfulness of suffering is very, very important. And we should not uh, try to run away from suffering pretending that it's not there. And in our civilization, most people don't do that, that. They run away, they pretend that there is no suffering, and they buy, they consume in order to cover up the suffering inside. We consume not because we need to consume. And there are people who, uh, who, who, who go and look for something to eat, but uh, they are not hungry at all. They eat because they want to forget the suffering inside. Eating is one way, one of the ways to help us run in the way. And not to have to confront, to get in touch with the suffering. And uh, we can practice by ourselves, and if we have a community of practitioners supporting us, and then the practice of mindfulness of suffering can be more, can be uh, can be easier because we have uh, brothers and sisters in the practice supporting us. Uh, they provide understanding and compassion. And with that kind of collective energy, we can easily uh, recognize and embrace our suffering. Clear? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, We we read from one uh, written question. Um, Bell the bell.
1: The, the, the errors of uh, the past have caused a lot of suffering and are very difficult to liberate. My er- the errors I created in the past are quite a heavy burden. How can I forgive myself for this pain that I caused and how to be sure that I have forgiven others? What can I do if I offer forgiveness and reconciliation again and again to others, but otherwise other people don't respond positively and they keep the door closed?
0: This is a very good question. First of all, we can learn, everyone can learn from their, from, from their own mistakes, unskillfulness, and all of us are unskillful at times. Even the Buddha as a teacher, he was unskillful at times, and he learned from his unskillfulness. So first of all, we should should remember that we are a human being and we can be unskillful at times. And then uh, the practice of mindfulness can always uh, transform, even transform the past. You think that the past is already gone and you can not do anything concerning the past. But that is not true. You can change the past. Because the past is still there in uh, in the present. The wound of the past is still there in the present moment and you can touch it. Suppose uh, in the past you have said something unkind to your grandma. And now you regret. And your grandma is no longer there for you to say sorry. And you have that complex of guilt following you all the time. But according to this practice, you can do something. You breathe in and out mindfully and you recognize that your grandma is still alive in every cell of your body. You continue your grandma. That is the truth. The genes of your grandma are in you. Your grandma has not really died. She continues in you. So, having seen your grandma in in you, you begin to say, Grandma, I am sorry. I was not skillful. I promise you that from now on, I will never say something like, like that again. And if you are sincere, mindful, determined, and then you can see your grandma in you smiling and you are healed. You are healed. So you can transform the past. You make an aspiration, a strong aspiration, that from now on you will not say things like that anymore. You will not do things like that anymore. and That is a powerful energy that can transform even the past, and you feel lighter, lighter. During the Vietnam War, there was an American soldier who killed five children in Vietnam. His uh, unit was uh, destroyed by the guerrillas, so he was very angry. And he came back to that village, looking the way to retaliate. So he brought with him a bag of sandwich, and he put explosive in the sandwich and he left on the gate of the village and he hid himself. And He saw five children coming out out, and enjoy eating the sandwiches. After that, the children showed the the sign of sickness and they cried. They yelled and their mothers came out and tried to help. But the soldier knew that nothing can be done. Because the village is so far from a city, and he saw the five children dying in the arms of their mothers, and the soldier survived the war and went back to America, and he couldn't no longer sleep. Every time he found himself. Uh, with a few children in the same room. He could not stand it, he had to run out of the room. And he could not share the story with anyone, until one day, we offered a retreat for war veterans in California. And he came. And after Four days of practices. He got enough trust. And during the sharing, he told us the story, crying a lot. And I was in a group. And I promised to give him a consultation. And I told him, Daniel, you have killed five children. That is the truth. And you suffer. But now there are other children who are dying. In Africa, Asia, many countries, and even in America, children are dying. They are poor people. There are people, there are children who only need one tablet of medicine in order for their life to be saved. Thousands and thousands of children like that are dying all over the world. And if you make the aspiration to go to them, and then every day you can save five children. You don't have to to lie down in the corner of the past and suffer like that. If in the past you have killed five, and today you can save five. If you can save five today, five tomorrow, and then you can see the five you killed begin to smile in you, and you are healed. So he followed that instructions. And uh, I can saw the transformation and healing taking place right. During the time, he listened to the advices. Because during the time he listened to me, he made that vow. I will go out and try to save children. I am young enough to do the work. And that tremendous amount of energy given him by the aspiration begins to heal him right away. And after that, he practiced helping children in the world to survive. And uh, he was healed. He married a dentist in uh, England and led a normal life. And this is a real story. So the fact is that uh, you are you you can liberate yourself from the past, from the prison of the past. You can make a strong determination, strong aspiration to go and help. Help the people who are abused, help the people who are victims of sexual abuse and so on. And then you can heal yourself. That is the power of aspiration. The fourth nutriment we call volition. And if you have a transformation and healing in you, you become a pleasant person. You are full of compassion, understanding, and your your presence is a very, uh, very uh, fresh, very pleasant for other people. If you propose uh, to him or to her. The practice of reconciliation, and if the other person refuses to do, because you are not fresh enough, you have have not healed yourself enough. You have to to show yourself as a man who who has transformed, who has healed himself or herself, and. The healing in you will help uh, start the healing in the other person. There are many ways. You can write him or her a letter of love. You can ask a friend uh, to talk to him or to her on your behalf. There are many ways to do it. And if you are already you have already reconciled with yourself, renew yourself, become a new person and then transforming him, reconciling with him become much easier if you find it still difficult to to invite that the other person to reconcile because you have not started the process of reconciliation from within if you have and then you have healed yourself and then uh, it would be much easier to to help uh, him to reconcile uh, with himself and with you okay mm.
1: of the uh, question basically she has a daughter who is three years old and she would like to teach her mindfulness and then uh, start already with the seed of mindfulness at the age and not to be 35 years old. Wait until 30 years until start to start the practice of mindfulness. So is there any age, uh, a good age to start teaching mindfulness to children? Because some people say she's too young to teach your mindfulness at she only three years old. Is there a, a good age to start teaching mindfulness to children?
0: You, you can teach your child uh, mindfulness uh, even when uh, your child is still <laughs> inside of you. You practice mindful breathing, and you talk to your child. Breathing in, I know you are there, and I am so happy. You are mindful of the presence of the baby in yourself. And if you are mindful, the child in you is mindful at the same time. Because you and him or her are not too identical. Two uh, entities. Uh, everything you eat is for your child. Everything you drink is for your child. Uh, uh, your happiness is uh, your child' happiness. Your anger is your child's anger. So. If you conceive a baby, you have to be very careful, you have to be very mindful. Anything you consume of the four nutriments, the child consumes also. So be gentle, uh, consume only the healthy uh, things in terms of the four nutriments. What you read, what you uh, listen, uh, what you eat, uh, what you hear, uh, as conversation, they will go directly to the meat. So your practice of mindfulness uh, is the practice of mindfulness of your child. So you can begin at a very uh, early uh, uh, age with your child. And um, when you're, mm, the baby may not uh, understand yet uh, the talking of uh, adults. But uh, the baby can be aware of the energy that you radiate. If father and mother are in uh, Harmony, loving each other, the baby feel that. Don't say that uh, he, de- he does not understand what we are talking to each other yet. Don't, be, don't, don't do that. The baby may not understand what you are saying, but the baby can feel the harmony or disharmony between you. So the, your practice of mindfulness, uh, your practice of reconciliation, harmony has a direct impact on, on, on your child. And uh, when you hold your baby, if you hold uh, uh, your baby in mindfulness, the baby feels that. And that is a way to teach uh, mindfulness. And when you feed your baby with your own milk, you uh, you are aware of that, uh, you feel the happiness. So the baby uh, not only is feeding himself from the milk, but from your love. So you can teach the baby mindfulness um, right away, in the beginning. Uh, I remember that uh, Dhamma talk in uh, Germany. There were 1,000 people uh, in the talk. And I remember in the front row there were three or four mothers uh, breastfeeding the baby. (laughs) The atmosphere in the talk was very, uh, very peaceful because we practice mindful breathing, mindful smiling. It's very nice. And before I started the talk, I look at the babies. They are so happy. They are so calm. They are getting the nutriment not only from the breast of their mother, but they get the nutriment. From the collective energy of mindfulness and compassion generated by the practice, so children they they know the value of, of the practice of mindfulness, and then the, when you are about to have a breakfast with your child. If the child is three or four, or five years, you can say, you can, you can, uh, you can say, darling, it's wonderful that we uh, have breakfast together. You show your appreciation that mother and uh, son, mother and daughter, are there having breakfast together. You cherish every moment. And uh, there is a uh, mantra that we practice in Plum Village. Uh, from time to time, uh, we remind the other person or people that it is uh, the moment that we are spend together is uh, a wonderful moment. And that can be practiced with uh, children. And the mantra is, um, this is a happy moment. This is a wonderful moment. Don't you, don't, you, don't you agree? This is a legendary moment that we share with each other. And that mantra we can practice, if we can pronounce several times a day. I myself practice that mantra a lot with my students. Walking together, sitting together, eating together, having together, we remind each other that this is a wonderful moment. We are still alive, we are sharing a, a cup of tea. This is always possible. So uh, children, they are receptive to that kind of practice. They know we appreciate their presence. Uh, we have attention uh, offered to them. They are happy. And they learn in a way that we cannot conceive. Uh, they learn uh, without knowing that they are learning. And we transmit the practice of mindfulness by our way of life. If parents smoke and drink alcohol, children will smoke and drink alcohol. If parents practice mindfulness, loving speech, deep listening, and children will do it. And they do not have to know that they are learning. So the learning, the practice can be non-formal. You don't have to say that I am practicing mindfulness. You just enjoy uh, the practice of mindfulness of breathing, uh, walking, eating, and so on. and that will have an effect on the children, uh, even the very young ones. Three years, maybe three years old, maybe too late. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Look deeply and try to understand the root cause of their suffering, such as uh, uh, anger, anguish, fear, when they are small. So the the
1: the question is about. you okay, with the children and how to guide them to look deeply and try to understand the, the cause of these children's suffering, anger, anger, anguish, fear. So how to help them? Any particular age? Maybe
2: six, seven, eight.
1: Six, or seven or eight. old. Oh. So how to help little children understand um, the cause of the suffering?
0: We should not try to give the teaching um, orally only, because uh, often it does not work. As uh, as teachers, we have the tendency to explain, explain, and in order to explain, we have to use words and that may turn them off they are not interested in words and concepts i think uh, we should use very simple simple expressions simple simple words suppose when uh, when uh, we have anger in us when mother has uh, mother has anger in herself and if the child uh, wants her to do something, to say something for him. and If the mother realizes that it is not good to do it, to say it when she is angry, she may tell her child that mommy does not feel good in herself. Mommy is a little bit angry. And uh, you should allow mommy to to breathe, uh, to walk, in order uh, to calm uh, herself first. You can, you can, you can do like that. That is teaching. You teach by your own life. And if uh, they see you practicing, when you are angry. And then they believe you. And next time when they got angry, you, you may say something. Darling, why don't you do like mommy? Don't say anything. Don't do anything. It may, it may do harm to yourself and to others. Do like mommy. Just breathe and know that you are angry. And if you know how to breathe like that, uh, walk like that, and then you feel better, why don't you hold the hand of mommy and you breathe together, you walk and make a few steps together. And that is teaching. The same thing is true with other mental uh, formations, like a fear, like a jealousy, and so on. So, there is a kind of teaching called uh, khengyang, teaching by your own life, by your own body. This is very good. So, as a teacher, I know the value of that kind of teaching. Uh, You teach by the way you walk by the way you sit down, by the way you eat, uh, by the way you look, by the way you react to a provocation. And That teaching is, uh, is uh, well received by, by the young people. They don't have to use a lot of words. Another question from the floor. Yes, I this is a question from, by a man, I guess, because he says, how can men
1: today avoid to become a soft man? So, how can men become um, more confident, maybe without becoming aggressive? So, how can a man uh, avoid becoming a soft man? The idea means that sometimes uh, men, uh, maybe in Spain, have uh, been aggressive in the past and now when we practice we become soft, very receptive and attentive. Maybe we become too
0: soft. Too soft. Yesterday, we, uh, we, <coughs> we spoke about noble silence, a kind of silence that is very powerful. It's not oppressive at all. It's very alive. When we, <coughs> when we, <coughs> when we stop our talking, when we stop our thinking, we breathe, we become alive. We are uh, aware of being with each other. And that kind of silence is a very uh, powerful. And in the Buddhist tradition, they, they, they describe uh, that silence as uh, thundering silence. Powerful like thunder. Latanaya. Thundering silence and that those who believe that when they have uh, too much compassion they become very soft. And that is not true. Compassion is not soft. Compassion is a very, very powerful. When you have uh, great compassion you can die. You are ready to die for the sake of uh, helping people. You are very powerful. It is uh, violence that is uh, that makes you uh, weak. Because you are weak, that is why you need a gun. You need uh, an army. If you are really powerful, you can help many people around many country, countries around and you are safer if you if you are too afraid and you need a gun, you need an army and that is why cultivating compassion you protect yourself much better than than uh, with an army, or with uh, a gun. If you carry a gun, it means you are afraid. You are fearful. Compassion, because make us, uh, give us a lot of energy. And with compassion you can can do everything in order to help people. You are not afraid. In the Lotus Sutra, compassion is uh, described as uh, thunder. like a cloud, a big cloud in the sky. It looks uh, very soft, but a cloud can generate uh, thunder, lightning and thunder. So in the Lotus Sutra, compassion is described as lightning and thunder, very, very powerful if you have violence in you uh, your nature is uh, is weak and not powerful but if you have compassion in you you are really powerful with violence in you you suffer children young uh, adult Uh, teenagers if they have a lot of uh, violence in them and they suffer and we can see the suffering and they are weak and if uh, we cultivate compassion we are healthy and we are powerful. Violence uh, makes you sick. It is a Destroying our our health, physical and mental violence when you produce a thought full of hate and violence, that thought begins to destroy you and destroy the world. But if you have a right understanding you generate a thought of compassion and of understanding. That thought begins to heal you and begins to heal the world. And that is the practice of right thinking. Thinking in such a way that you can generate understanding and compassion. And that is a real power. And uh, compassion can be expressed in the way you think, in the way uh, you speak, and in the way you act. If you are motivated by the desire to help a person to suffer less, you can you use loving speech, compassionate speech. What you write down in a letter, what you talk, what you tell him or her in the telephone has so much, so much compassion. And when you are able to say something compassionate, you feel wonderful within yourself, you can heal yourself. and you can begin to help heal the other person. So compassion has the power to heal. and That is why all of us have to learn how to generate the energy of compassion in us. If we want to heal ourselves, we have to generate the energy of compassion. If we want to heal our family, make our family happy, harmonious again, we have to generate, to to cultivate compassion. If we want to heal our community, our city, our nation, we have to cultivate more compassion. And compassion comes from understanding understanding suffering, our own suffering and the suffering of the other person. Even the suffering of the people we believe to be our enemies, they have, they have a lot of suffering in themselves also. So the answer to our situation is compassion. And uh, medically speaking, doctors they begin to know that compassion has a healing power. You have so much hate and despair and anger. It's difficult to heal. But if you have compassion, it's easier to heal yourself. At Stanford University they begin to study about the healing power of compassion. And uh, they has been invited to speak. Uh, in Stanford about the practice of uh, compassion and someone asked exactly the same question. Uh, Is not true that compassion makes you weak. No, opposite. Compassion makes you very strong. Thank you.
1: ¿Puedo decir la pregunta en español también para atenderla mejor? Sí, si alguien
2: tiene a ayuda y tengo un tiempo limitado y esta persona.
1: So somebody comes to the uh, asking for help, I don't have much time to offer to, to this person and I just tell this person that she just needs to uh, embrace her suffering and her anger, whatever emotion. But that person reacts, doesn't want to uh, hear that. Yes. And with this uh, limited time I have, how can I help this person transform? Yes. So basically, she says to, to this person, to, she needs to embrace her suffering, but the person reacts, doesn't want to embrace the suffering, and I don't have much time available to help the person. Yes. What work do you do? And what's your profession? Is it isn't the professional? Professionally or uh, professionally? Two years.
0: If uh, we are so busy, if uh, we do not have the time, we cannot do anything. So the problem is to arrange that we have plenty of time. those of us uh, who are doctors, uh, lawyers, and who are, who are able to help uh, people, but uh, our capacity is limited, So many of us have become monks and nuns, in order to have more time. Because as a monk or a nun, you don't have to make a living. You don't have to make a living. You don't need a private house, you don't need a salary, you don't need a... a, a, a private uh, bank account and so on. So you have plenty of time in order to practice helping yourself uh, and helping other people. So one of the ways uh, to have the time is to live a simple life. Especially, and if possible, to live in a community, you don't have, you don't need a private car, a private house, a private bank account. You have plenty of time. That is what the Buddha and his monks did. They have plenty of time, walking, sitting, helping people. Time is not money. But in our society, many people think of time as money. Time is to make money. Time is much more than money. Time is life. And time is
2: love.
0: You are giving years, and months, and days, and hours, and minutes in order to live your life, and to love, and not to make money. If your um, um, priority is to make money, and then you don't have the time to do the work of uh, loving. You have to love yourself. Do you have the time to love yourself? to take care of your body, to take care of your feelings and sounds. If you don't have the time to do that, how can you help another person? If you have the time, you do not have the time, how can you love? and everything you do in your daily life is an act of love. Everything you say, everything you do in your daily life can be an act of love. That is possible. So please uh, reconsider the way you use your time. What are you doing with your time? Your time is is uh, to be, to live your life and to love. And look at the people in society, the way they make use of their time. They don't have the time to breathe, to sit, to walk, to enjoy being alive, to look at their children. And we are always in a hurry. So there must be a kind of revolution. And those of us who have chosen to be monks and nuns or lay practitioners living in the community. We want to have a lot of time so that we can take care of ourselves, fully, heal ourselves and help heal and help uh, other people. When we organize a retreat, uh, we do it as an act of love. And, uh, when we see the people transform and heal, that is our reward. That is the benefit we get. When we see people suffer less, we begin to smile, to reconcile each other. We are very happy. We see that our life has a meaning. And that is uh, nourishing us a lot. So everyone of us has to sit down and reconsider how do we use our time. Do we have the time to love, to serve? Do we have the time to take care of ourselves, heal ourselves and help heal our society? This is the question. And you have to give the answer by yourself.
2: Podemos
1: protegernos cuando hay Cuando hay que. Puedes repetir la, la pregunta, sí. ¿Cómo mis
2: compañeros
1: de How can I uh, my uh, friends in the sangha, my soul, how can I how can we protect a sangha?
2: Especially
1: uh, if it's a young Sangha. So
2: it's
1: a young Sangha. And we're all quite young. So how can we protect our Sangha because we are a young, uh, young Sangha and we have little experience.
0: Building building a sangha is a a very uh, basic uh, practice. If uh, you have uh, an aspiration, a deep aspiration, if you have a dream to realize You cannot do it without a community, and that is why building a community is very important. The Buddha, after enlightenment, knew that he needed a Sangha in order to realize his dream, offering the practice and help change the world. So he spent his time looking for friends and set up a community, a practice. And uh, at the end of uh, the first year after enlightenment, he already had a community of 1,000 people. And he spent his time uh, training them how to walk, how to walk mindfully and generate peace and joy with every step, how to hold their bow, how to sit, how to breathe. So you will do the
2: same
0: with the young members of the sangha. The first thing you do is not to organize. Mm. For other people, you have to organize so that we can practice together. We should uh, practice uh, sitting together, walking together, eating together, sharing together, in such a way that every time we do that, we create more brotherhood and sisterhood and mutual understanding. And we learn to make decisions together by consensus. We try to listen to each other. We try to understand different views. And we try to combine all these kind of views in order to make a Synthesis of all views, and we, we make a decision collectively like that. And only when we have enough uh, harmony, brotherhood, sisterhood, joy, uh, should we organize a day of mindfulness or a retreat of mindfulness. Invite other people to come and. Uh, we operate uh, as a sangha, and not as uh, individuals. any individual, no matter how talented he is or she is, cannot realize the, the big dream. So we learn to, to organize, to uh, uh, lead a retreat as a sangha, and not as uh, a person, an uh, individual. Uh, in Plum we try to do that. Uh, it is the Sangha who make uh, the decision, and not a person. For this uh, trip uh, to Spain, organizing retreats and public talks, the Sangha did everything, including choosing the title of the talk and the retreat. They did not have to do anything. He just obeys the Sangha. So he has plenty of time to walk, to sit, to breathe. It's very good. So he should operate as a Sangha, not as individuals. And if you are able to build a Sangha with harmony and brotherhood, you can do a lot of things in order to help people to suffer less. And Sangha building is the most... Um, noble thing to do for a, for a person. Uh, when I met with uh, Dr. Martin Luther King for the first time in Chicago in 1966, we discussed about that because he knew that without a Sangha, without a community, he, he could not realize his dream. A year uh, before that he spoke um, to the team, I have a dream. And I told him that your dream cannot be, come true if you don't have a community. And he agreed. I was, the, I was using the word Sangha, but he used the word uh, beloved community. The second time uh, I met with him is in Geneva. We were attending a peace conference and we had an opportunity to discuss more about the Sangha building. Unfortunately, he he was assassinated not very long after that. So I made the, the vow to continue to build the sangha. Not only for us, but for him. The sangha building is very important. With the sangha, you can maintain your practice for a long time. With the sangha, you have an instrument to help people. People can come and take refuge with the sangha and learn the practice of healing and transformation. So every one of us uh, who find uh, the practice of mindfulness uh, useful should go home to our um, city and look around and identify elements of a future Sangha. We should uh, set up a group of people learning to sit together, walk together, breathe together, create uh, brotherhood, sisterhood, and then we, can, we, we will be able to help many people. And school teachers have to set up their sangha of school teachers. Psychotherapists also have to set up sanghas of therapists. Uh, doctors, nurses, uh, even business leaders have to come together and set up sangha in order to support each other. We all need a sangha. Without the sangha, they cannot do anything. So he is taking refuge in the sangha, and we always operate as a sangha. And uh, if the sangha has harmony, brotherhood, then you can do a lot of things. Uh, Today, uh, we have walking meditation again, but we we should uh, should go with the same speed. We should not walk too slow. We should not create uh, traffic jam. (laughs) Uh, Breathing in, two steps, breathing out, three steps and do not allow the line to be broken, like yesterday. We can enjoy every step and we are aware that we are walking with the community. We flow like a river and not drops of water. Thank you, the, um, we shall uh, we shall gather and begin our walking meditation in in, in half an hour.